welcome listeners to the Gather Global Podcast. Today I have with me Adam Keeble and we have a very exciting guest by the name of Sam Roach. Adam, tell us a little bit why we have Sam on the podcast today. So we've pivoted slightly in our lineup of guests this week because in a lot of conversations we've realised internally that we are speaking to a lot of people from within golf and we haven't really had any perspectives from outside of golf. Uh, and Sam, for all intents and purposes, doesn't work in the golf industry, but he's been looking at the golf industry and he's a passionate golfer. And he's coming in with a, a fresh way of thinking, but he's looking at the 10-year the plan for golf. Where is it going to be? What's going to be the influence? And he's got some really interesting takes. So I think people are going to take a lot from this episode. Safe to say my mind was kind of blown by this conversation, making me think new ways and, and ask different questions. If there's one gather podcast that you listen to when you come in and you're looking for outside thinking, this is definitely the one. Enjoy. Well, hello and welcome to the Gather podcast, Sam Roach. Hello. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, Sam. And you are somewhat of an outsider to the golf industry, in inverted commas, uh, which is why we're really excited to have this conversation. I've got Adam Kibo with me today. And uh, Sam, you're from Wavy Golf, and I'm going to let you just kick off by telling us a little bit about what that is. So Wavy Golf, I've started because I would say I've been stalking the golf industry over a number of years. We've been passionate about playing and always kind of looked at a few things that I've felt have held golf back within certain ways. Um, I'm from Lewisham, South East London. So I've probably only got one friend who's willing to play golf with me. Uh, and that's mainly down to people's views on golf and then also how accessible golf is in itself. So I sort of set up Wavy Golf as a way to kind of um, show my passion for golf, but also to create some kind of influence to make golf a bit more accessible, bit more welcoming um, a bit more understanding of difference and with that I think there's a large element to be played within fashion music culture um, so with Wavy Golf we're just trying to sort of bring more style to the golf course and around the golf course more culture um, and that could be in terms of the people that play could be the type of music and interests that they come with the ethos and values that they bring and essentially just increasing the vibes in golf and creating a better feeling around golf rather than it being slow and stayed and some of the other kind of feelings that people have about golf. If you ask them, do you know what, do you want to come play around with me? Are you interested in going to the driving range? There's often a lot of pushback as to why people don't want to. Um, and it's normally around those kind of topics. Love the fact that you said you want to bring more vibe to the game. That's very cool. We dig into that. But normally, as I think Adam has prepped, we normally ask our guests the first question, what would you like to change about the golf industry? But you can't. So in many ways, I think you've answered quite a lot of that, but what you're trying to bring to the golf industry, let's just look at that second part of the question, though. Is there, what would you like to change about it, but that you currently don't think you can? So this might be a bit of a controversial one, but it, and it, doesn't, it doesn't stand through 100%. But it's people's love of the idea of heritage. So for me, heritage is important, of course. I personally come to golf because I love the game. I love the social aspect. I love the skill and the competitive aspect. Yes, of course. But as a, as a dad and as someone who's got little kids, it's a sport that promotes values, whether that's the fact that it's self-policing, 
So it's about what you do when no one's looking, what are your morals and your values. So there's a huge positive element to the, to the heritage of golf. Um, and it's why a lot of people are drawn to it. And it's why a lot of us play it and continue to play it and talk about it with the passion that we do. But then there's also a side to heritage, which creates a sort of legacy, I feel. And if you actually delve into what that legacy is historically over the last hundred years, it's, it's no women, it's white, it's exclusive, it's expensive. It's some of the words I said before, slow, boring, staid. It's people with gray hair, old people. Colin, that's not an offense to you. Mine's coming soon, don't worry. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's taking away that, that idea of heritage continuing traits in the past that were basically put there as barriers to entry for other people, essentially. Um, and that's why I bring it back to myself. If I wanted to go around, go play around a golf with a mate of mine and I said, you know, come down this Saturday, one of the things he's going to say to me is, Sam, I don't want to go out and spend a hundred quid on some plaid chinos or a polo or this and that, that I'm never going to wear again. So all of these yep. things for me are, are kind of elements within the golf industry that I'd love to change. Whether mm -hmm. I can't or not is a different question. It's obviously, it's not down to myself. It's down to a collective responsibility of all of us to want to change it, for brands to want to change it, for governing bodies to want to change it. Are they going to be welcoming of this emerging culture and style and ethos mm -hmm. and values? And whether they are or not is going to be determined by their governance. And there's going to be strong leadership needed if they truly are interested in captivating this sort of new market that's come on in the last 18 months, particularly with the increased participation. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of brands talk a good game. And a lot, I hear a lot of people, even Andy from Adidas the other night was talking about, he's not sure what these new golfers want. Well, go and ask them. Like, are, are golfers, golf organisations, governing bodies going out to ranges, to places like Pitch or Urban Golf or Ghetto Golf up in Newcastle and Liverpool to talk to these people? Are they doing any market research or are they sitting in their silos thinking what they've always thought, basically? So, yeah, that would be my two, 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 two answers to that question. Brilliant. There are so many threads that we can pull on there, but um, a couple of things off the top of the head that really strike home for me. I think uh, Adam is the first time we've met, but you, you know Adam well and Adam might have introduced about but by my background so I worked um, in governing bodies essentially and what you're describing is almost exactly the patterns that I personally slipped into there's a couple of things that the quick one that could probably shelve right now and it's maybe an easy excuse but it's definitely a fact is that governing bodies particularly in the Great Britain and Ireland and I do sense in other countries too are struggling so much with being better for the people who are their current customers and they're so absorbed in that, thinking that they've got to help their golf clubs to survive, that they don't actually think about any of this stuff that you're describing there. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely some some threads that we can delve into there. But from a vibe perspective and a grey hair perspective, I'm, I'm hoping that in a year or so's time, you can kick me out in something that's a bit more fashionable and just get my vibe going in a different direction. There were so many things though, that you said um, about the heritage that also really struck home. And it's funny you mention it because literally a couple of days ago, the thought came to my mind as to why we have so much, so many remaining historical 
things that you see when you connect to golf in any way. And I just take, you know, majority of golf club websites, you go there and there's like a history page and you go and it's this enormous long screed and it's got photos black and white and dominantly they're with men, white men. Um, and it's like, they're so proud of that heritage. And I get that as well, especially having worked at somewhere like the Arnie. But there's, I think, too much, and you've hit the nail on the head, There's um, for people that work in growing the game, there's too much fear that you have to still keep some traditions. Someone has to be responsible for keeping some traditions of the game because there's so many good things in the values of golf, as you've said. But in doing that, we actually we forget to move with the times. And I was thinking, you mentioned your, your child, and I was thinking, well, you know, if young kids come into football, for example, these days, nobody really takes them to a museum or a website and shows them old videos in black and white. We know it's there. And like people like our dads might go back and go, you should watch that game from then. And this player was a legend and so and so. But we don't do that to promote football because we just know that's not going to, you know, um, spark the, the curiosity in the in the young current market so why do we do it in golf so mm. I mean yeah I, I could keep going on and on because you've hit the needle so much in the head there and I'm, I'm really excited to see where you go with this Sam Adam what's your thoughts on all that yeah obviously it's a a key theme is diversity and I think just the way you articulated the heritage piece is so vivid and I think people are listening are going to start connecting those dots when we say diversity in golf to you, as someone who's not sort of within the golf space and coming from outside of the golf space, you're not conditioned to the way of thinking. So what are the things that spring to mind when, when we say diversity in golf? Well, let me, again, it comes back to the standing point of what is diversity and what does diversity mean to the governing bodies and to the brands? I mean, diversity is about empowering people by respecting them and appreciating what makes them different. So whether that's their age, their gender, their ethnicity, their religion, their disability, their, their orientation sexually, their education, you know, their nation of origin, all of these kind of things are what's important within diversity. And within golf, do you see much of any of those things that I've just mentioned? Not really. You see a little bit, um, I would say that junior golf and women's golf has been kind of welcomed a little bit more, but that's literally in the last like two to five years. So yeah, when, when does the other elements of diversity catch up? And even within that, you're talking about respecting and appreciating people for their age, gender, religion. And then again, the other layer about that that comes on top of it is, is their style. Because from style comes your values and your ethos and the type of music that you listen to and the kind of things that you watch or read. So within golf, I would I would just say for governing bodies, for golf clubs, that's particularly the big is the big one for golf clubs. Emma the other night on your call was talking about lady golfers and how they often will go into the game, play, have lessons, maybe go to the range play a little bit with friends but the actual process of becoming members at clubs it, it takes a lot longer than a bloke who's just just picked up golf and he goes right I'm going to get involved I'm going to do it and I would argue that that's because men feel more empowered to do so because they're more welcomed when they go to golf clubs um, not treated as an afterthought there's not a met you know <laughs> don't know a lot of golf clubs 
are getting better, but there's still the main entrance, male entrance for the men's locker room. You, know, you go around the little corner, da, 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 and then there's the women's locker room at the back. So it's, it's symbols, a lot of it, of what, what is accepted um, and who is accepted and who is respected and appreciated. So if I turn up at a golf club and I'm wearing a collarless shirt and a pair of shorts and I've got two mates who are the same, but we're following the etiquette of the game and we're polite and we say good morning to everybody and inquire how everyone is and make sure everyone's happy and enjoying their game and we love golf what difference does it make it doesn't make any difference so it's just another barrier to entry that can be removed um so yeah that that's how i i would see diversity and i do think that fashion brands can have quite an impact on diversity i mean obviously it's all kind of anecdotal from what you see whether that's socially or what you see on tv or read about in the press but i would say Anecdotally, things are becoming more diverse. I'm on, from what I see on the driving ranges and the type of people that I'm seeing there is different people that I would have seen five years ago. So is it, uh, is it something that you can kind of nail down and really show increased participation within a more diverse range of people? I don't think yet you could, but I think long-term, if the application to change is real, and these brands and governing bodies are actually invested in actual change, then yeah, you, you can create a more diverse industry within gold. And I think a lot of the listeners will be hearing this and going, absolutely. And I think one of the key drivers that we wanted to really tap into was, was fashion and its part to play. Um, speaking to Colin and his background, uh, the general consensus in the golf industry is putting golf clubs in people's hands, getting them to the driving range, getting to hit golf shots, and then getting them into that sort of golf bug mentality. Mm. We've seen a real shift, especially during the COVID period, where fashion has sort of come out of nowhere and on ecosystems such as Instagram has created what, what we've sort of started to term, which doesn't have a, an official term, a parallel golf universe, um, mm. where the traditional... Uh, establishments and ecosystems of the industry, especially the, the fashion and apparel world, operate at different levels. They engage at different levels. They distribute their products in different ways. And there seems to be some, some impact and something quite exciting happening. How much of an impact on a driver do you think fashion will be moving forwards and is currently having in the whole participation piece and diversity piece? Or is it a little bit of just a, an Instagram uh, moment where there's a lot of people tagging, liking, engaging, but there's not much output. And I know this comes down to a point of lack of data in the golf industry, which is significant, especially in the the seventy percent of market that go under the radar and are not on industry registers because they're not in membership and they're not purchasing through traditional channels. But what's your sort of gut feel on that area? So my gut feel is that all, all of those things you just mentioned are enormous indirect drivers of participation. And we are in the infancy stage and it's only going to get bigger. So I'm not talking about, I think what I'm talking about isn't the current golf market. I'm talking about the golf market in five, 10 years time. So if I go out and play with my mate and his little boy is now 10, the way that he dresses on a golf course is completely different and will continue to only be more different. And it, it comes back to like, what is fashion? 
when when was fashion better there's some this notion from i've got from a few people for what i'm doing is sometimes this goes back to the heritage that fashion was better back in the day but when are we talking about going back to the 20s with plus fours and long johns are we talking about baggy chinos and sleeves that come down past your elbows like the 80s and 90s you know at, at what it's all about people's own agenda and they pick and choose and i think the agenda for the future with the kids that are coming through that are 18 19 20 or below is social media and instagram and tiktok is a thing and it's real and i think this whole kind of stigma that is put on influencers is just short-sightedness from old people basically there's some people that get it and that are with it but there's a lot that still see it as this thing that, oh it's a flash in a pan it's like guys it's not a flash in a pan it's here it's huge it's just going to get bigger these kids are really invested in it it's all part of their life it's how they show off their individualism as a person so it's only going to increase and we're just in the infancy stage now i think there will be some winners and losers, obviously, from a business perspective. Um, independent brands, uh, I think, can do well as a business, potentially, little cottage industry style. I think a few of the independent brands will get bought up by some of the bigger um, manufacturers, whether that's well, obviously Adidas are doing something with Manners at the moment, whether they then purchase Manners in the future or whether Nike purchase Melbourne or something like that in the future, I can see that happening for them to push through to that next level. And I do think you'll always have your kind of, your little small independent things because people like bespoke stuff. Golfers like customised things. Golfers like to buy stuff. Golf industry in general is sometimes full of a little bit of snake oil and some skullduggery. So I think that will drop off. And I think more people's individual look and how they present themselves on the course is becoming part of a tribe. It's identifying what tribe you're part of. And they want to be as far away from the no women, white, exclusive, old vibes as they can. And they're going completely the opposite direction, but whilst keeping the etiquette and the values of golf. And I think... A lot of that is talking to old people with their judgments of looking at someone and going, oh, you're a certain way. And it, well, that's not the case. That's not the case just because I dress like this. Don't, you know, don't underestimate, underestimate my acumen for business or for my personal life or for sports or whatever it is. So I think it's in its infancy. I think there'll be one or two brands, like I say, that do go and really push through. I look at Palace skateboards in the skating industry. Um, and if there's people within the golf industry that don't know who they are, look at them, look at their story, look what they've done. They are now mainstream. You know, they were independent. They started in small skate shops all around London. They're now mainstream. They've now got a store in London, New York and Tokyo, and they sell out every time they release a drop online. And that's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And I feel that there is a company out there for that kind of ethos and vibes that Palace are bringing, but to put it within the gold space. So that's my answer to that in a not so particularly small nutshell. Sam, uh, I'm almost ashamed to say that my mind's kind of being blown here because you're saying things that um, I think I'm aware of. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a TikToker and I'm not even up on things like Instagram particularly well, but I'm I listen to a lot of things and I'm kind of well aware of the importance of all of these. 
I definitely, despite the hair, grey hair, would put myself in the category of um, an older looking person who does understand that this is the norm now, uh, even although I'm not understanding the full uh, intricacies of how Instagram influencers get paid so much money. But I get that that's the direction we're going in. So this has blown my mind because, as Adam said earlier on, and this is, you know, you're our thinkers that we need in the golf industry, my God, there's been a separation, and I think Adam knows this, there's been a separation between fashion brands, stroke, social media, influencers within golf, and then participation in golf and golf development. And that being my sort of wheelhouse or world that I've operated in in the industry before. But if anything's going to move forward into the kind of future that you're describing and that a lot of the Gather members are members for, those two, that gap needs to disappear because what you're describing here, and you know that's probably the, the space that you're looking at, basically, there is there's brands like Link Soul who's come from someone who's you know deeply invested in the golf industry and has been for a long time. You'll be aware of them. Sounds yeah. like they're kind of on route to this, but they're capturing probably new golfers, but also existing golfers who realize I don't really want to be a part of that kind of older culture. I want to be part of the cool new culture. Mm-hmm. But we're we're st- they're probably still not going quite far enough along the the line to get to the point that you're talking about. So I'm just gonna. Jump to another question, which hopefully helps us work out what we can do from here in the golf industry. Do you think enough people call BS in the golf industry? And if not, why not? Um, no, I don't think people call BS anywhere near enough. Um, and I don't blame them in some respects because you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Um, so, yeah, it's a tricky one for a lot of people because... I'm sure there's loads of people within the industry that do want to move it forward, but perhaps aren't in the position of authority or power at the moment to make the change happen. Um, and then obviously, you know, protecting their own jobs and everyone is looking to progress their careers. Um, so I can understand the fear. You know, no, one, <laughs> no one wants to go and rock the apple cart too much. I can, I can understand why doesn't happen but yeah there's there's a lot of backslapping and and uh chin tickling shall we say to, that goes on without a doubt and um I, I think that some some bs could be called out you know i think this is deeply intertwined with what we talked about earlier and everything that you were saying about diversity as well because the key is not having people all around about you that look like you. And we've learned a lot about that just internally and what we're thinking about for our strategy within Gather over the past eight months. And I'm you know, pleased to say that we've got people who are now giving us, you know, they're calling BS on us and they're, they're forcing us to think about the voices that we have round about us as well. So all of that is intertwined with what you're describing there because people are scared to upset the apple car. But that's because they don't have people like someone like me who's deeply ingrained in golf development and participation doesn't have someone like you sitting next to me saying, but why? Yeah. I think it comes back to the expression of, you know what you know, you know what you don't know, and you don't know what you don't know. And the golf industry, there's a lot of, I know what I know. There's not very much, I don't know what I don't know. And that's where... If, if you were to sort of try and get somebody to, to be inspired and actually go, I'm not going to look at the industry in a traditional format and customers in a traditional format and my core demographic of customers in a traditional format, where should they go, Sam, for some inspiration? What should they just be checking out? Where should they be? What should they be following? 
there is so much out there. So there's so much in terms of, you know, the emerging culture, style, ethos, values. I mean, I look at us culturally as a nation and whether we can do it. It was interesting on the Gather Live the other night. Can't remember whether it was Andy or Emma. But, or it might have even been you, Colin, actually. They talked about participation rates uh, in Scandinavia. And I think it was like 40% to 60% male to female. Whereas in the UK, it's sort of 10, 15 to, you know, 85, 90. But is that, is that just a wider reflection of a sort of more egalitarian society that the Scandies have? I would say it is. But in terms of where you can find out you know what the the change is it's just looking at the emerging stuff so looking at surf culture street culture skate culture sport music you know what are what are raheem sterling declan rice um phil foden what are they all, all, all into and looking at and what's influencing them are, are we are we closed off from what else is going on out there there is so much going on out there, whether that, and I, like, I really do take that back to listening to new music. What are the kids listening to? You know, what's influencing them? Because what's influencing them is then going to create different decisions. They're going to make different decisions off the back of it, of what they think is cool, what they think is the latest thing. So, I mean, to go and find out about all this stuff, it takes time. Like I said, I've stalked this, this thing for a long, a long time, years and years, and been thinking about, how it all links together and joining all the dots together but yeah get out there read you know read vice go on vice's website pick up face magazine pick up id magazine buy a skate mag you know just really do anything but buy today's golfer don't buy today's golfer <laughs> who are the movers and shakers in the golf world do you think that are, that are on to something do you mean from an influence perspective, individuals, or do you mean from a brand perspective? A bit of everything, really. Anyone that's that's really starting to, to build some traction, that of creating that vibe, as you're saying, that's actually creating a bit of a movement rather yeah. than just being shouty for shouty sake. Yeah, totally. I mean, so there's, there's Mooney Kids who are based in Portland in America who are doing a real good movement about just bringing golf to everyone. Um, they have urban golf meets around Portland in the city where people just turn up in whatever they want. Um, they provide the golf clubs and the balls and it's, you know, like literally urban street golf. Um, so those guys are doing some really good stuff. And then from a brand perspective, you've obviously got what Manners have done with Adidas. Um, there's a brand called Radda based out in the States who again take influence from sort of surf and rugby and all sorts of other sports um random golf club obviously started by eric Anders lang i would say the kind of nucleus for a lot of this um they you know their whole strap line is that all are welcome and that anybody can go and play um and get involved in a meetup so yeah i would say if someone's new to the game and just sort of wanted to discover what it's about i would i would say to check those out and then there's individual kind of influence within the game. So you've got Mia for Adidas and Chris Colick in the UK. You've then got guys out in the States like Roger Steele, Brad Wilson, Everyday Drew. Um, I, honestly, I could go on, I could bore you to tears with names and 
and brands. Um, oh, my lot boy, you might be of might be of great interest to. I, I don't but, think so, it is at all, Sam. I think I think oh. actually we might need you to produce this list for us because the community needs to see this stuff. I mean, if we feel like we need to, Adam and I am sitting here going, "Yeah, keep telling me, keep telling me more." And I know yeah. some of the ones that you're talking about, but I don't know the rest. And this kind of inspiration is definitely what the community is looking for. Don't you agree, Adam? Absolutely. And this is this is diversity of thought. Um, which I think diversity of thought is just a notion that gets lost on people because diversity as a word is is quite emotive. It's it's very buzzwordy at the moment, uh, and this is just a case of getting inspiration from from different pockets. But it's what I love, and sort of to probably term it is these macro trends. Now, there's a lot about what's happening right now, but we need as an industry to start thinking about what's going to happen in ten years because it's yeah. going to look very different, and people have got to start hedging their bets. Whereas at the moment, people are looking two inches in front of their face, which isn't great for them. It's not great for what they're doing in terms of their business or their golf club. And it's just not good for the general state of golf long term and the future of golf. So starting to identify some of these macro trends, it's just such a shame as an industry. We don't have much data or understanding apart from the anecdotal stuff. But still, even at an anecdotal level, it's really important to to share this knowledge and just to talk about golf from a different perspective, because that 70% independent golf market is significant. And in some respects, they are going to be the future of golf. So the closer we can get to that, that understanding of what they want and who they are, that the better uh, the golf industry will be long-term. There's a possibility there. They're actually the current of golf as well, Adam. And all of us that are sitting inside the industry just think that they're the future and we're the current. But it may actually be the other way around if you look at the numbers. Yeah, it's very true. Absolutely. And also, I'd say that it's, from my perspective, it's been interesting since I started this. I, I mean, I'm, I came in with some of my own kind of preconceptions from, I say, stalking, as I said, and analysing. And one of my preconceptions was that when I was talking to people, say, over the age of 50, that they would have no interest in what I'm saying. But actually... Since I've been doing it and I've been playing rounds with people, I've played rounds with a few older guys in the 50s and 60s, and they've all turned around to me and said, oh, I've wanted this to happen for the last 20, 30 years. You know, why, have I, why aren't I allowed to change into my shoes in the car park? Why does it matter what socks I'm wearing? Why do I have to have my shirt tucked in? And I thought, oh, I was like, what? I was a bit taken aback. So it was like, oh, okay. It really did show to me that what I've been thinking isn't just for people my age and actually older people also thought the same but maybe the people in power around them didn't but I think in 15-20 years time once people whether on this pod or people that we know are in the positions of power influence and authority that's when the, the rules just change and it all crumbles basically but it was an interesting sort of reflection for me that actually it's not just my age it is older demographics as well and they've always wanted that change do you do you think from the outside then do you want to collaborate at the moment with existing golf industry players <laughs> it's industry it's interesting because on the brief that you sent me i saw that question and i just i've written now next to it it just says a select few because for me this is real I do want to see a change. I do want to, I do, I want to be able to go to a golf club with my friend from Lewisham, whose heritage is Ghanaian and walk in and not feel like he's got everyone's eyes on him and that he's uncomfortable. So for me, it's a real, it's a real thing about values and ethos. 
So if the right person, brand or whatever did want to, it would have to be a collaboration which is based on truth and reality and not, oh, let's get a, um, let's get a picture for our website, basically, because we need a nice shiny picture of inclusion and it's a photo opportunity. If it's not more than that, then I'm not in. If it is more than that, then I would be interested. That's an amazing answer. And it prompts me to just ask one final thing then. From a selfish perspective, you know a little bit about Gather, you know the kind of community where you've listened to some of the pieces and so on. So, so much of our membership are people that are in the industry. Some of them have been in it like many years, many more than me and Adam. Some of them are just in it. Some of them have come from outside and are bringing thinking like you're bringing today. But I would hazard a guess that 75% or more are more along the lines of my experiences and thinking. How do we get more of this thinking and questioning and diversity of thought coming into our community? Because those people that are in the membership have collectively enormous, enormous influence over decisions that are made within the golf industry. Um, I think it links back to what we talked about towards the start and the leadership that comes from the top down within the governing bodies because any change is always from top down always so the style of leadership needed and then secondly I would say how willing are they to recruit from the correct areas because obviously we've mentioned a few times about having the same type of people around us you know and that seems to be a, a common theme but then that you go back a step and it's like, well, why are they around us? Okay, they're around us because we hired them. Okay, well, why did we hire them? Where did we select them from? Where do they live? Are um, our 90% of people that work within golf from the Surrey bubble? From my experience, yes. So why aren't you hiring people from the Midlands and from East London and from Grimsby or from wherever? Um, Manchester is growing because of what Rick Shields is doing online and his influence within the golf industry. And I feel like there's more Northern voices coming on now. Um, you've got Trotty Golf, who is obviously the, the like global ambassador for TaylorMade now, and he's from Manchester as well. So that's good for me because there's some other voices coming through. But, you know, that is a huge part of the people you recruit, the people you put around you. That is it. You know, they're, they're the same people that are saying the same thing as you. So widen your net for recruitment and where you recruit and who you recruit, I would say is, is the way to, to change that paradigm that, that's currently playing out. Adam, normally we, uh, I, I find myself saying in every podcast how much I'm learning. This one has left me with so many questions of food for thought. Um, you've sparked the fire under me, but you, you've made me feel extremely accountable that we need to do something about so many of these areas you've discussed. But not in the way that we traditionally have always said since we started gather about, yeah, we should be looking at you know, having a really diverse thinking community from across the world and we should be challenging things. But you're, you're asking us to think about this in a different way than I'd ever thought of it before. So a really huge, genuine thank you to you for that um, because I just hope we'll, we're going to position this with so many clips like that last word that you just said there, that last statement, 
there's so many little clips we can take for this that I just think the golf industry needs to sit up and listen to. It's not just, here's a cool new brand, here's a new style, here's a new mindset about bringing people into the game, but you're actually thinking about the connection for how do you take that and what we've currently got. And you've been observing, obviously, so closely for so long that you're starting to think about where, where the opportunities are to close that gap between the two. So for me, just a massive big thank you, Sam, for all that thinking that you've done so far and what you're now starting to do um, and just bringing that into so that our community can hear that. Adam, have you got any final words with Sam before we close off today? It's just a massive thank you and a classic example, again, of putting the right people in the room, looking at different voices, hearing from different people. And just from your side, Sam, just to shout out, where can people find uh, what you're doing and what you're about? Where's best to, to go and do some research? So um, you can find me on LinkedIn individually, obviously, Sam Roach. You can find Wavy Golf on Instagram. It's literally Wavy with an E-Y golf or www.wavygolf.com. Um, and yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys. It's, it's great to be able to be part of the conversation. And actually what you guys are doing is that first step in terms of opening it up. And like you were saying, Adam, putting different people in the room. So um, no, it's been, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Brilliant. And I think um, I won't ask your permission for this because from this conversation, I'm sensing that the answer will be, of course, yes. But I think we should just put out an open invitation. If anyone does listen to this podcast from the community and the sparks, I thought that I'd love to have a word with Sam. I'm presuming that they should just get in touch with you and ask to do that because I just think your, your kind of questioning and thinking could be extremely helpful to a lot of other people that work in the golf industry and are influential, as we say. Definitely, definitely. No, do it. If there is anybody that's listening and anything that I've said has sort of sparked an interest, yeah, please do get in touch. I'm all ears and uh, very welcoming of uh, conversation. So happy to do it. Brilliant. Thanks, Sam. Thank you very much again. I'm looking forward to um, my skater gear golf kit that you're going to recommend for me at some point in the future when we get a chance to meet up in person. But in the meantime, thank you again. Uh, Thank you on behalf of all the community listeners and all the best with Wavy Golf. Thank you very much. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Ads. Cheers.